Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It is me, Hallie Sherman, your SLP that is here to help you be the best SLP you can be. And today's episode might be a hot topic, and you might disagree with me on this one, but I want you to stay put and listen to the end and hear me out. And maybe I can convince you that maybe you can think a little bit differently when it comes to data. And I know there are some exceptions to the rules because some administrations and districts require one thing or another, but I want to convince you to not take data the entire session. Yes, I'm not saying not to take data. I'm saying to not take data the entire session. Now imagine this, you were working as a speech pathologist in your therapy room and your admin is coming in each and every day and observing you. They're just sitting there with their clipboard or maybe an iPad or whatever they got and they're watching you and jotting things down. How nervous and anxious are you gonna feel? Like you're constantly being evaluated and graded and being judged Right, just like we would feel anxious each and every time when we do have to get evaluated. Thank goodness it's not like when you're for me when it's when I'm tenured, I only have to do it once a year if they remember me. (laughs) But imagine if we don't like being assessed and we're the experts. How do you think our students feel when they're constantly being assessed as something that is difficult to them? So think about that. If you're constantly assessing them, the anxiety is going to be there. They might not perform optimally. And they're going to be a little bit hesitant to take some risks. Also, if you're so busy taking data, how are you teaching them the new skill? If you're constantly grading and evaluating, when are they learning? 
remember, I always say the insanity quote, if we're doing the same thing over and over again and just expecting a different result, saying, hey, just repetition will make a difference, then the teachers can do it. We can give a, a packet for the classroom. We can give a home practice to do. A tutor can do it. They're coming to us because they need explicit instruction utilizing our language expertise. Articulation is a completely different ballgame. I'm talking more language therapy here. Yes, there is tons of data that shows in articulation therapy, the more trials, the more drilling, the better. That said, you still need to teach them how to do the sound and self-correct and self-monitor and and have some time to engage with that student. But if we're constantly just practicing and grading them and not teaching them, then when are they learning? Think about that. If you're constantly collecting data, that means you're constantly evaluating and you're not teaching them. And that could be a reason why you might have some behavioral issues, why your students might not be as thoroughly engaged or into the lesson, because you're not so involved in the lesson if you're focused on the tally marks or jotting things down. So I bet you're probably saying, Hallie, so if I'm not taking data all session, when am I taking data? Think about this. Your IEP goal is an annual goal. That is what they're expected to do at the end of the year. So say your goal is three out of five trials, eight out of 10 trials. That's what they're expected to do at the end when they've mastered it, not in the beginning. So that doesn't mean you have to be doing 10 trials each and every time to demonstrate progress. Hey, we all learned ratios in elementary school, high school, whatever, right? So we can get an idea of how they're progressing towards their goal throughout the year without needing to do the exact amount of trials that is written on the IEP. Like I said, that annual goal is expected at the end of the year. And that amount of trials that was written down in place is what is expected at the end. That's not needed each and every time to demonstrate progress. That said, again, we should not be just working directly on that exact goal each and every time all year long. We need to take step backs and do some objectives, even if they're not written in the IEP. What are some fundamental skills that are needed in order to be able to get to that end goal. You might see some struggles that they're having along the way and you need to fill in those gaps. You can't just jump over those gaps and expect them to make progress on that overarching goal. So sometimes you might be teaching something that is not exactly explicitly written in the IEP as the annual goal because that's the annual goal, not the session goal. So again, you're probably saying, then what do you take data on? Well, the progress monitoring gurus would say, you know, quarterly, monthly, weekly, however often you are collecting progress monitoring, that is when you're assessing the annual goal. And you're not expecting them to be efficient at it until the end, right? You're expecting to see progress, but not necessarily being efficient until the end. So then what am I taking data on? I'm taking data on how they're doing in the session. What is my session goal? How are they doing? Does it mean I have to do 10 trials or 100 trials or even three trials? I might even just do one. And that's okay, because I might be teaching them a skill, modeling how to do it. We might be working together to practice, and they might have just one opportunity to do it themselves. And that's okay. One out of one, zero out of one. And more importantly than that tally mark is what did they do and what didn't they do and what was needed for them to be successful. Sometimes that anecdotal data is so much more beneficial than those tally marks. Sometimes I'll write down in my data book, oh, they did it three out of five times. But if I don't take the time to write down, oh, but it was at the paragraph level, if I gave them choices, if I had a visual, that's more important to me 
that's going to tell me more and help me plan out my next session. That's going to give me more information to write a report, to explain at a meeting, to explain to parents or teachers how they're performing in my speech room and what they're doing and how they are making progress with me, whether or not they make seeing the progress in the classroom. Right? Sometimes the teachers say, well, I don't see that. Well, I'm seeing it because I'm seeing X, Y, and Z, and I'm giving X, Y, and Z supports. So the more anecdotal information you get, the more you focus on the child the student in front of you versus the data marks, they're going to be more engaged. They're going to be willing to take more risks and you're going to have a better understanding of what they need to be successful. And that is so much more valuable than those tally marks. Again, I know we need data for Medicaid billing and for maybe administrators or whatever you need, but I, I encourage you to think outside the box and not be so to the book. This is the goal. I need this many trials and I have to be working on this exact goal each and every time. Because one, you're going to get bored. Your students are going to get bored. There's going to be frustration. And again, they're going to feel that pressure like, oh my goodness, she's taking tally marks. Especially your older ones. They see you making that X's or minus signs versus the positive signs. They know. I think it's more beneficial if they can tell you how they did. If they can take data on themselves, can they self-monitor and self-reflect on how they're performing and they might do differently next time? I recommend you trying that with your students. Like, hey, how did you do with main idea during this bamboozle game? Now, I love bamboozle and Jeopardy Labs and and some of those games because it does give them, and even using task cards, it gives a lot more opportunities for trials or opportunities to practice. But sometimes that is only beneficial if they're able to do that more independently. When you're still at the teaching phase, you might just get through one and that is okay. Your goal might not be to answer an inferential question. It might be to complete a graphic organizer to then answer an inferential question. But they might not get to that inferential question yet. Your goal might just be in that session to identify the details to complete the graphic organizer. And that's okay. So having a better understanding of what they need to be doing in the session to be effective to eventually get to that end goal. And what are you really truly looking at the data on? And what are you monitoring in the moment? That could be done in minutes or seconds at the end of a session. Like, hey, why do we use a graphic organizer? Can they tell you yes or no? Boom. Can they use scaffolding? And if you give them the answers, can they sort it into the correct spaces of a graphic organizer? Yes or no? Boom. Doesn't have to be elaborate to be effective. It's a matter of looking at the whole picture of that student in front of you and not looking at that end goal all year round and not being so stuck on, I have to do 10 trials or five trials. And that's why a lot of people do like rubrics for social skills and some of those abstract things that are hard to take data on and hard to collect trials on. Think outside the box on how you can really hone in on what are you working on in that session? And then how can you get an idea of how your students are doing? What did they do? What did they not do? And what do you need to do next time to help them be more successful? Where do you need to go from here? Versus... How can I get a certain amount of trials? Let me know what you think of this. Like I said, you might agree with me, disagree with me, but it will really help you not be so stressed about the pressure of needing a certain amount of trials and how you're going to collect the data when it's, I've seen people ask, hey, I'm working on a four paragraph story. How am I getting 10 trials? I get that. Well, one, you can ask 10 questions, sure, but that's a lot of questions in. But it could be that one question, how'd they do, yes or no? And then, yes, by the end of the IEP, it might be over a couple sessions that they're getting out of 10 trials. It doesn't have to be in one sitting. Think about that and let me know what you think. All right? So as always, I end the episode with a joke. Why do calculators 
make great friends because you can always count on them. But I'm ching. All right, guys, SLPs, stay out of trouble. You are awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.